Welcome to Math Mutation, a podcast where we discuss fun, interesting, or just plain weird corners of mathematics that you would not have heard in school. Recording from Hillsboro, Oregon, this is Eric Seligman, your host. And now, on to the math. Math Mutation 222, Fractal Expressionism. If you watch enough TV, you probably remember an old sitcom plot where the characters were a viewing of abstract expressionist art, and somehow a three-year-old's paint scribblings get mixed in with the famous works. Most of the characters, clueless about art, pretend to like the bad painting as much as the real paintings, trusting that whatever is on display must be officially blessed as good by important people. However, one wise artificionado spots the fake, pointing out how it's obviously garbage compared to all the real art in the room. Therefore, the many pseudo-intellectuals in the audience get affirmation that their professed fandom of officially respected art has a valid basis. I've always considered this kind of plot a mere fantasy, until I read about physicist Richard Taylor's apparent success in showing that Jackson Pollock's most famous paintings actually involve mathematical objects called fractals, and this analysis can be used to distinguish Pollock artwork from lesser efforts. Before we talk about Taylor's work, let's review the idea of fractals, which we've discussed in earlier podcasts. A simple definition is a structure with a pattern that exhibits infinite self-similarity. A popular example is the Koch snowflake. You can create this shape by drawing an equilateral triangle, then drawing a similar equilateral triangle in the middle third of each side, and repeating the process on each outer edge of the resulting figure. You'll end up with a kind of snowflake shape with the fun property that if you zoom in on any local region, it'll look like a partial copy of the same snowflake shape you started with. Other fractals may have a random or varying element in the self-symmetry, which makes them useful to create realistic-looking mountain ranges or coastlines. The degree of self-similarity in a fractal is measured by something called the fractal dimension. Taylor's insight was that Pollock's paintings might actually be representing fractal patterns. This idea has some intuitive appeal. Perhaps the abstract expressionists were a form of savant, creating deep mathematical structures that most could not understand on an intuitive level or verbalize. Taylor created a computer program that would overlay a grid on a painting and look for repeating patterns, reporting the fractal dimension resulting from the analysis. After examining a large sample of these, his research team announced that Pollock's paintings really are fractals, tending to almost always fall within a particular range of fractal dimensions. They also claimed these patterns could be used with high accuracy to distinguish Pollock paintings from forgeries. Taylor even claimed at one point that, due to the various changes in technique over Pollock's career, he could date any of his paintings to within a year, based on its fractal dimension. Abstract art critics and fans all over the world felt vindicated, and Taylor became the toast of the artistic community. However, the story doesn't end there. When first reading about Taylor's work, something seemed a little fishy to me. It reminded me of the overblown fandom of the Golden Ratio, which we discussed back in episode 185. You may recall in that episode I pointed out that any ratio in nature roughly close to 3 to 5 could be interpreted as an example of the golden ratio by carefully choosing your points of measurement and level of accuracy. Similarly, it seems to me that the level of fine-tuning required for Taylor's type of computer analysis would make it inherently suspect. Taylor isn't claiming an indisputable point-by-point self-similarity, as in an image of the Koch snowflake. He must be inferring some kind of approximate self-similarity with a level of approximation and tuning that's built into the computer programs he uses. Furthermore, there's no way his experimental process can be double-blind. All Pollock paintings are a matter of public record, and I suspect everyone involved in the study were Pollock fans to some degree to begin with. I'm sure most of Pollock's paintings exhibit some kind of patterns, and with the right definitions and approximations, just about any kind of pattern can be loosely interpreted as a fractal. 
With all this knowledge available as they're creating their program, I'm sure Taylor's team was able to generate something finely tuned to Pollock's style, even if they were not conscious of their built-in bias. Of course, many people in the math and physics world also found Taylor's analysis suspicious. A team of skeptics led by well-known physicist Lawrence Krauss developed their own fractal detecting program and tried to repeat Taylor's analysis. They found that attempting to analyze fractal dimensions was useless for identifying Pollock paintings. Several actual paintings were missed, while lame sketches of random patterns by lab staff, such as a series of stars on a sheet of paper that could have been written by a child, were given Pollock-like measurements. When issuing the report, this team claimed to have conclusively proven that fractal analysis is useless for distinguishing Pollocks from forgeries. In some sense, this may not be such a bad result for art fans. As Krauss's collaborator Catherine Jones-Smith stated, I think it is more appealing that Pollock's work cannot be reduced to a set of numbers with a certain mean and standard deviation. So are Pollock's paintings actually describable as fractals or not? The jury still seems to be out. Krauss's team claimed they'd definitively disproven the idea. However, Taylor responded that this was merely an issue of them having used a much less sophisticated computer program. Active research is still continuing, as shown by a 2015 paper that combines Taylor's method with several other mathematical techniques and claims a 93% accuracy in identifying Pollocks. My inclination is that we should still look at this entire area with a healthy skepticism due to the inability to produce a truly double-blind study when famous artworks are involved. But there are likely some underlying patterns in abstract expressionist art, at least in the better paintings, which may be a key to why some people find them enjoyable. So lie back, turn on your John Cage music, and start staring at those Pollocks. And this has been your Math Mutation for today.